The average maturity of core bonds has climbed over the past decade. Yields are near historic lows, but rising, and inflation is also on the rise. So what is an investor to do? Here's what matters. Live from our respective coronavirus social distancing outposts, I'm Lauren Goodwin. And I'm Robert Sarenbetz. And this is Market Matters from New York Life Investments. In this podcast, we, the strategists at New York Life Investments, will share insights from the multi-asset solutions team, what we think matters as we manage investment solutions. That includes Mainstay's diversified portfolio series, including the Income Builder Fund, as well as bespoke solutions for our partners. By sharing perspectives and engaging with you, our listeners, we can all become better investors. Welcome, everybody. It's the week of January 31, 2022. And this week, we continue our 2022 Outlook series and some of our comments from last week to provide some insights specifically on fixed income portfolios. Yes, the markets have been on a wild ride, as we covered in last week's podcast, where we focus specifically on equity allocations and the sell-off in equity markets. But this rising volatility doesn't end there. Higher interest rates may require investors to broaden their asset allocation, particularly in the fixed income portfolio. It is no surprise that this is one of our most frequently asked listener questions. Next to, will the stock market go up, is how high are interest rates going to go? Yeah, we get that so frequently. And while we don't have a crystal ball, we've spent a lot of time talking to fixed income investors and looking at the fundamental backdrop to determine how investors can navigate this tricky environment, no matter which way things go. Well, let's start there then. What is the fundamental backdrop investors have to deal with? Well, while the initial pandemic shock created severe economic concerns, many companies have actually capitalized on some of the policy response to that catastrophe and improving demand over the past couple of years to build liquidity and shore up their balance sheets when interest rates were or have been at historic lows turning lemons into lemonade, so to speak. Love that metaphor. And now, despite challenges related to the cost and availability of material and labor inputs and all those supply chain dynamics we've been talking about, generally speaking, corporate fundamentals, and especially that balance sheet component, are really strong. The cost of debt is lower than the prior decade's average, and rates were already low during that decade. And corporates have extended their weighted average debt maturity to resist rising interest rates. And so in our view, that creates a pretty compelling case for actually favoring credit exposure in a fixed income portfolio. Mm, Yes. And adding to that fundamental case, I think, is the technical backdrop that we should talk about, where valuations across fixed income asset classes, across all asset classes generally, but particularly in fixed income, those valuations are high. So the risk reward of bonds in general is a bit unbalanced. Hmm, I think you'll have to say more about that. That was kind of a hot take. Okay. So core bonds, that's investment grade bonds that investors traditionally use for an important purpose in their portfolio. And there's two there. For some, it's for generating income, which if inflation isn't high, is important. And low yields don't matter as much because you can generate some income with these core bonds at low interest rates. But when inflation is high, it erodes some of that income. Second, core bonds provide an important ballast in risk-off markets. 
but that risk reward may not be what it once was. And that's because the average maturity of a core bond, its duration or its sensitivity to rising interest rates has climbed over the last decade, meaning the maturity of that bond is further out. It matures over a longer time horizon. But yields, the income provided by that bond, is near a historic low, and inflation's on the rise. Got it. So that same activity of pushing out, you know, a corporate credit duration that provides some resiliency against interest rates can also create some challenges in a portfolio. But at the same time, bonds still provide a service in a diversified portfolio. As equity market volatility picks up, bonds, despite the low yields, should show their mettle by providing downside protection for portfolios. And that that just might not be what it once was. And maybe there are better options out there. Exactly. And so I think it's important to look at what that fundamental backdrop is and pair that with potential asset allocation advice. Yeah. With that in mind, Ben, you know, we sat down with the team and explored what exactly happens to different asset classes in rising rate regimes of the past and tried to look at what we might learn from that experience and and where we might be able to add value as asset allocators. Can you share the high-level findings for that, Robert? So what we did was we looked all the way back to 1997 so that we could have a full data set of all these different type of fixed income asset classes. And we saw that there were periods where interest rates were rising. And we defined that by the two-year U.S. Treasury yield being above its 12-month moving average. So roughly half of the time that we analyzed, 148 of 298 months, the two-year U.S. Treasury was moving. Interest rates were rising. And in this rising rate regime, core bonds returns were lower, about 40% lower than on average over the whole period of time. And so while non-core asset classes remained relatively more resilient at that same time, non-core bonds being either higher risk bonds or bonds that have a different return profile, like a convertible bond. So the riskiest and most diversified asset classes like equities, convertibles, high yield municipal bonds saw even better performance during these episodes. Sounds like a great time for our portfolio pause, a segment of the program where we share an investment idea. And I want to turn the page on that analysis and ask how an investor can action that exact information. Right. So using that historical performance, we can look at asset allocation. We can run our fancy mean variance optimization. That's where we take into account the volatility of an asset class along with its return profile with the ultimate goal of limiting the risk of a portfolio or improving the return of a portfolio. And in our outlook, you can find this illustration for our 2022 outlook, where we examine the return levels and the risk-adjusted return of a 60-40 portfolio across both rising and falling interest rate environments. Right. And first and foremost, stocks or equities are an important driver of return and have historically performed well in both rising rate and inflationary environments. Yes, very important. That said, historically diversifying income sources away from core bonds generated stronger return potential and lower portfolio volatility when it was sourced from somebody's equity allocation and core bond allocation. So you take away some of your equity positioning, you take away some of your non-risky core bonds, and you allocate to these risky other asset classes. 
Got it. So what we're not saying is that core bonds or equities do terribly, but just that this broadening of a portfolio might provide interesting opportunity in this particular type of environment. And I will just say that broadening a fixed income portfolio allocation certainly adds operational complexity, you know, like more asset classes is more work. But it also provides greater diversification, and that may improve risk-adjusted returns. Diversification may also support good investment behaviors over a singular focus on maximizing returns. And that's particularly important, that sort of good investor behavior components are building it into your portfolio allocation when volatility is rampant, which it has been in the the past couple of weeks. Yeah, that's a good point. And the reason that this diversification benefit exists is because these assets show some non non-correlation, so they don't move in the same direction as stocks and as core bonds all the time. Meaning there's a diversification benefit because it may alleviate downside risk or provide an alternate source of return beyond just equity risk or beyond just duration risk to a portfolio. Right. But whenever you start adding new sources of risk, it is important to check what that means for a portfolio's historical risk. So if you look at things like the historical drawdown, the decline in value a portfolio may undergo over a a specific period of time. It shows that broadening the allocation while improving returns, at least in this analysis that we ran, doesn't meaningfully impact the portfolio in risk-off events. And that's an important component of an overall portfolio allocation. Yes, I think it's a really important risk metric because obviously as investors, we don't want to lose money. But while we're on the topic of risk, I think there's a quick disclaimer here that I want to say. You know, when you're adding assets to a portfolio that can can create some sort of diversification benefit, these non-core fixed income asset classes also tend to be riskier and its return historically exhibits return asymmetry. And that's the tendency for large instances of loss. So, you know, when you're investing in high yield bonds or junk bonds, there's a greater risk that that company goes out of business or defaults on its payments. So put simply, when you're allocating to these bonds, there's defaults and write downs, which can greatly impact the return in your portfolio. No such thing as a free lunch, right? The idea here is that, you know, first you have to consider risk taking and and manage prudent risk taking given the fundamental backdrop. And that also that using an active manager who is able to do that, who has experience doing that and on a historical basis has generated alpha through this type of environment could be really helpful. Those are two great takeaways, and I couldn't agree more. To see our illustrative portfolio in action, including these allocations that we've talked about today and the historical performance, you should definitely check out our 2022 outlook. Coming up next, it is Jobs Week, which means that on Friday, we will get the non-farm payrolls report, and that will give us some really helpful information as to how the labor market is developing, which matters, of course, because of the real economy and real people's lives, but also because it impacts the Fed and its pace of hiking interest rates. Already, the market expects the Fed to have a relatively robust pace of, of rate hikes this year. A really strong employment environment would suggest that perhaps that could happen 
happen even quicker. And a weaker one might be, again, bad news for the economy, but good news for markets. So stay tuned for that. But that's it for today. We'll be back next week for more Market Matters. In the meantime, please let us know what matters to you. If you have a question or topic of interest, reach out to us on social media. That's right. You can send us your questions or highlight what matters to you by finding us on LinkedIn. You can also follow our views, including the outlook that Robert mentioned and that we discussed today on our website, which is newyorklifeinvestments.com and click the insights tab. Yes. And we have a new outlook landing page that shares insights across our multiple boutiques at New York Life Investments. But until then, I'm Robert Sarenbetz. And I'm Lauren Goodwin. See you next week. Our podcast is produced by Milo Benamont, and our music was composed by the fabulous Zach Young. I'll now read our disclosures from compliance. For more information about mainstay funds, call 1-800-624-6782 for a prospectus or summary prospectus. Investors are asked to consider the investment objectives, risks, and charges and expenses of the investment carefully before investing. The prospectus or summary prospectus contains this and other information about the investment company. Please read the prospectus or summary prospectus carefully before investing. There's no assurance that the investment objectives will be met. Past performance is no guarantee of future results, which will vary. All investments are subject to market risk and will fluctuate in value. This material represents an assessment of the market environment as of a specific date. It is subject to change and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information should not be relied upon by the reader as research or investment advice regarding the funds or any issuer or security in particular. The strategies discussed are strictly for illustrative and educational purposes and are not a recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any securities or to adopt any investment strategy. There is no guarantee that any strategies discussed will be effective. This material contains general information only and does not take into account an individual's financial circumstances. This information should not be relied upon as a primary basis for an investment decision. Rather, an assessment should be made as to whether the information is appropriate in individual circumstances and consideration should be given to talking to a financial advisor before making an investment decision. New York Life Investments is both a service mark and the common trade name of certain investment advisors affiliated with the New York Life Insurance Company. The mainstay funds are managed by New York Life Investment Management, LLC, and distributed by NY Life Distributors, LLC, 30 Hudson Street, Jersey City, New Jersey, 07302, a wholly owned subsidiary of New York Life Insurance Company. NY Life Distributors, LLC is a member of FINRA SIPC.